Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Inside the quarterback factory where our magical development gust makes dreams come true. This is episode three brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. With me, as always, is quarterback one in our hearts, in our minds, the mad scientist of the QP factory. He is Mark Schofield. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark, brother, how you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. It is uh, good to be back with you as always. So as we head into month three of quarantine time, I do have to ask, how are we doing? Marriage Man. still good? We good? We good? Yeah, marriage is fine. It's 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 a struggle overall. I think a lot of people are are, are struggling to just get through it. And yeah. hopefully that's that's this is like we're coming to some sort of end. And when things open up, things don't just explode like right back in our faces, like some sort of CIA blowback operation in Iran back in 53. Like, oh, well, we're getting to a historical reference now, but like, right. you know, or like our friend Bryce, like try to use an RPG in Warzone, yeah. RPGing himself in the face. No, we're, we're seeing like good friends of ours, like Charles McDonald, for example, he was tweeting out today. We're recording this on Wednesday. If he just gets out of this with a brain intact, he'll consider mm. it a W. Our good friend Betts at all 22 said he was going to try to do some good, try to improve himself. And then he just dropped a Josh Allen tweet on the timeline, which flies in the face of basically everything he was trying to do in terms of trying to do good. But we're all trying to get through it the best we can. And we do. You did mention, Mike, the historical reference. We do start there as always. And as we outlined in the last show, the historical references are going to have a decidedly Vikings slant over the next couple of weeks and months. Because now look, as events warrant, we might weave in some stuff, but as we build towards the release of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is decidedly the light at the end of my long dark tunnel here, <laughs> we must prepare ourselves. So we'll start this show with a bit of Vikings related lore. And no, not the Minnesota Miracle or Reef, the idea of Vikings in North America. Now Turn into the book Vikings, the North Atlantic Saga for a moment. We read, before the 1830s, North Americans knew the Vikings only as the Europeans saw them, as raiders and pillagers of Europe. These views changed rapidly after 1837 when Carl Christian Rafen's Antiquities Americana published translations of the saga text that, that indicated Leif Erikson and others had explored and settled in northeastern North America. The discovery of literature describing Viking explorations that may have reached southern New England struck American antiquitarians like a thunderclap. People were losing their minds. All of this became grist for a new Viking craze in North America. The early North American romance with Vikings was sealed when Henry Wadsworth Longfellow published his epic poem, The Skeleton in Armor, in Knickerbocker Magazine in 1841. This tale of a love-struck Viking warrior who sailed to America, built the Newport Tower for his lost love and came to an unhappy end, buried in his armor in an unmarked grave, became an indelible part of 19th century American literary, American literary romance. And I read this 
in college, and it ended as follows. Thus, seamed with many scars, burst in these prison bars, up to its native stars my soul ascended. There from the flowing bowl, deep drinks the warrior's soul. Skull to the Northland, skull. Thus the tale ended. It's it's like literally the Viking skull chant in a yeah. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow poem. The problem, the American romance with the Vikings fueled by these discoveries was, as all great love stories are, based on a lie. Now returning to Vikings, the North Atlantic saga, the final paragraph I'm going to read here, it was discovered that the inscriptions and burial that were the basis of this were Native American and dated to the colonial period and that the tower referenced was built in the mid-17th century by, of course, Benedict Arnold. So, Mike, <laughs> I have to ask, what football tale that we tell was also built on a lie that Josh Allen, the front runner for QB Factory's favorite quarterback to ridicule, is good? Oh, did you? Did, I'm going to save that sign, sound bite. I'm going to clip that, and it's just going to say Josh Allen is good, and I'm going to make you look like an Oh, idiot. man, it's like screenshotting the DMs. Right. It's the podcast yeah, exactly. version of it. Should should we celebrate Leif Erikson Day and not Christopher Columbus Day? That's the question of our time. You no, know, I was just watching um Viking season six, and I knew I, I know I had done this historical reference before, but like when when they when they held down a dude and they took like two young birch trees and they like strung it to his legs, and then they let the saplings just like snap out and they rip him in half. They had that, that. That's a previous historical reference. I just saw that in uh, Viking season six, and it was like everything I imagined in my head. It was uh, it was glorious. So Vikings related content is is big here, and I just ordered another Vikings book, by the way. So I, I've got even more coming. But yeah, I mean that's that's what we're talking about here. We're talking. That's it. That's all that's the, the factory is from now on. Yeah. So we'll catch you next time. We'll catch you next time on episode four, the Viking Factor, where we talk about the bloody. Yeah, I mean, look, we got what three more months until we get possibly something meaningful. Dear listeners, you know the journey that is this show during the summertime months. You know <laughs> that journey. You signed up for it. We appreciate you coming along, but it will take you to some strange places. So let's let's get maybe I guess on topic or off topic, however you want to say it. Let, let's talk about because you had written something. Uh, PFF Seth had written something, Seth Galina, our friend, and then also Benjamin Solak wrote something for BleedingGreenNation.com that I kind of teased on the most recent At the Podium, and I kind of brought out some yak stats and, and whatnot, but you had written an article, How to Train Your Quarterback, and you're talking about how Kyle Shanahan helps out Jimmy Garoppolo, and the reason I bring this up, unless you've been living under a rock, I mean, the last few shows, I think I've mentioned it, the Eagles obviously want to borrow some ideas from the 49ers in a recent some press conference, Doug Peterson kind of, I don't know, not necessarily walked back those comments, but said that the, the changes are going to be more subtle. They're going to be in protections. They're going to be in play action. They're going to be in screens. I imagine they're going to use some of the, the motions that the 49ers like to use. So when you look at the 49ers and maybe we can frame it under some things that could be translatable for the Eagles, like the screen game, I posted a, a, a over a minute long Twitter clip of Debo Samuel, the different ways they feed him the ball in the screen game. When you look at the way that Kyle Shanahan helps his quarterback, and it's a super friendly quarterback system, what do you see that maybe translates to the Eagles, or what in general do you see that helps his quarterback along the way? Well, a lot of it is the information he can give Jimmy Garoppolo before the ball is snapped. And this is something that we talk about all the time. We talk about process and speed at the quarterback position, right? Whenever we get to draft season, it's like, 
how good is his processing speed? Can he diagnose and decipher what a defense is doing? And it's critical to the position because if you don't make a quick, informed, correct decision as a quarterback, forget it. You're going to fail. You're going to throw picks. You're going to be doing what we're doing and taking our job in the next football cycle because you will be out of the NFL. The more information you have as a quarterback before the play begins, the better informed and the better your decisions will be. And what Shanahan does, and it's very similar to what other offensive coordinators and offensive-minded head coaches like Josh McDaniels and others do, is he uses personnel, movement, motion, and shifting to give that quarterback of his, whether it's Brady or Garoppolo or whomever, as much information as possible. Like If you look at some of the plays that I break down in that article, you will see them using pre-snap movement, using pre-snap motion, giving the quarterback that man zone key, which sometimes might be all you need. So that's one way that you can do it. You use pre-snap motion. If you see the defender trail, you know it's man coverage. If you see him just slide, you know it's zone coverage, and you can start formulating your opinion on what the defense is doing when the ball is snapped with that framework in mind. Another thing to do, look, when you take a running back, flex them out outside the numbers, look to see who's across from him. Mm-hmm. If it's a cornerback, unless they're doing something crazy where they're taking a man coverage corner and putting them on a running back, you know they're in some kind of zone coverage. And so right. you give your quarterback information and it enables him to make better decisions faster and take advantage of then what results when the ball is snapped. Now, from an Eagles perspective, you can do similar things. It doesn't have to be like the 49ers do, predominantly a, tw- a 21 personnel thing. You can do it out of 12. If you take Zach Ertz, and line them up to the numbers. Who's across from them? If it's Fred Warner, it might be man coverage. If it's Richard Sherman, it's probably zone coverage. And so now you know as Carson Wentz, or dare we say Jalen Hurts, what they're going to be doing when the ball is snapped. You have that idea in your frame of mind. And then if you see them in press coverage, if you see them in off coverage, you know, okay, it's man press or it's zone cover four or whatever. That allows you to make a better decision once the play begins. And it allows you to make a faster decision once the play begins. So that's something that Doug Peterson can incorporate relatively easy to what the Eagles are doing on offense, using that sort of motion and shift and an alignment to give the quarterback more information. Very nice, Mark. And like I said, there are a ton of articles out there right now. Seth Galina wrote about the wide zone for the 49ers. Mark wrote about, you know, getting your quarterback information pre-snap. Ben wrote an exhaustive article. I wish I could talk about it, but I have not been able to read the entire thing yet and trust me he put a lot of film study into that puppy and it's very exhaustive talking about how the eagles can incorporate certain concepts and uh without losing their their identity and like peterson said it's going to be more like he said subtleties uh that you might not notice right away but you might see throughout the season and i do think uh it's interesting because we've wanted new ideas and and the eagles have brought that in with brick scangarello and uh, Andrew Briner, the the passing game coordinator slash quarterbacks coach from Mississippi State as well. And it looks like they're going to be getting some of that. So we did want to touch on that. And the other thing that we wanted to touch on, and this is kind of a continuation of our last discussion on the quarterback factory number two, where we talked about the first round quarterbacks. We kind of skipped over Jordan Love and, and Jalen Hurts because we had talked about these guys on different shows in depth where we were just kind of going through the draft and identifying, you know, what we can really expect from those guys. But before we do that, we'll probably do that on the other side of the break. I did want to bring up, we have not talked about it on this show. Slumpy Mitch. Oh boy. Medi- mediocre Mitch Trubisky, whatever you want to call him, whatever I've called him. 
uh, had his fifth year option declined. Again, we, uh, this is old news, but it's something that we haven't talked about. I'm actually wondering what you think, Mark, because do you think the lease is short enough on Mitch Trubisky or that Nick Foles was brought in to be the starter. It's weird because with this abbreviated offseason, we talked about this a a ton before, but like, I don't think you can expect Nick Foles to come in and immediately be the starter, but it's not like this is a totally foreign system to him. He, this is like a a, a direct Chiefs to Eagles to Bears. There's a, a ton of similar stuff. So like Nick Foles is right there as far as like, competency because like Trubisky can't even read white sticks so what are we even really talking about here you know <laughs> what what are we talking about here seriously what's the over under on when Foles becomes the starter right I mean it's got to be if they go like is it, is it is it that short where it's like first five games where like they're two and three and it's mainly because the offense can't score like are they going to pull the plug that quick because they need to win like this isn't like we can wait this out Ryan Pace has to win now to save his job Matt Nagy has to win why don't now. we do it this way okay they open yeah. at Detroit home against the Giants, at Atlanta, home against the Colts, and then week five, home against Tampa Bay. Who starts that game against Tampa Bay? That's the question I want to know because you've got Detroit on the road. Mm. You have to think that's a must-win game, right? Yeah, absolutely. In division game, yeah. Then you've got the Giants at home. You've Mm. got to think the Giants are a must-win game, right? Right. Just for the quality of opponent, they should right. be, yeah. If they go 1-1, one and one, if they go 0-2 to start. The odds that you're making the playoffs at 0-2. We've done those numbers. Justice Mosqueda did a study like two years ago. It's basically like, if you go 0-2, forget the playoffs. Like, you're done. Like, yep. historically speaking, teams that go 0-2 don't make the playoffs. Yes, there are exceptions to every rule, but it's very tough. So if you start with those two games to start off your schedule, 0-2, hmm. it's panic button time. Like, it's legit panic button time. And when they press it, Nick Foles appears. And so I honestly (laughs) think the over-under is three and a half, and I'm taking the under. It has been a rough go for Mitch Trubisky. It it has. (laughs) And there were idiots that wrote that they were betting on Mitch last year. I'm not mentioning any names, Mark (laughs) Stonefield, but they wrote that. So, yeah. I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. Look, I've said before you hide the hot takes on pods. If you want to be a true one percenter – you hide the hottest of takes in magazines. And that's why I wrote that because nobody was buying a Bears preview magazine that wasn't from outside the Chicago area. So that's I felt safe burying that take in there, which is why. Can you edit this part out? No? It's like the, you, the, can? you can, you can repress. No. <laughs> It's like you can repress those feelings as a Bears fan. Like no Bears fan is going to like take a picture of that and put it on Twitter because they're no. just trying to – it did never happen. It's a self-own if you do. Yeah, It's like, ah, exactly. oh, you said our quarterback was going to be good. Look at you, idiot. And then you scroll through their timeline. You yeah. search, you know, <laughs> Trubisky and their handle and right. you come across some very problematic tweets. <laughs> some spicy nuggets from the TL. So when we come back, that's enough bagging on Mitch. I, I, I'm claiming the W. It's 50 to nothing in the fourth quarter. I'm taking a knee. That's where we're at with that. I just wanted to bring that up because that was fairly, you know, recent news. All right. When we come back here on the quarterback factory, we're going to talk about day three quarterbacks and the uh, impact that they can make from the 2020 NFL draft. That's coming up next here on the QB factory. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline. Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. 
stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back here on the QB Factory episode number three. Michael Kist, who is two hours away from his vacation. I'll be back Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Have I checked out? Who can say? But we are going to be talking about... Wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> so... I'm basically your senioritis. Is that it? That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. That's like your tweet from a couple of days ago when somebody had that like discussion tweet that was like, has anybody ever made a real life friend on Twitter? And you quote tweeted <laughs> with me? No, absolutely not. It's like, really? <laughs> really? Come on. We've hung out several times too in real life. It's amazing. <laughs> No, no disrespect. It's just a no. That's all. Yeah, it's just absolutely not. Look, we'll do shows together and hang out, but no, you're not a friend. I get but it. this is this is why you're still valuable. When I have senioritis, I know that I can lean on you for quality analysis, and we can still put out a good product. I feel like that's more a shot at Ben than anything else. <laughs> Ben's hard to find sometimes, man. That guy has weird hours. He's a busy dude. He doesn't ignore his family as much as as much as I like to. I mean, that's a very, very fair point. I mean, when he's writing 15,000 word treatises on Kyle Shanahan's offense, like, yeah, I get it. We love you, Ben, though. He's a squirrely guy saying squirrels are hard to catch. So let's go into the, the fourth round. We'll get into the day three quarterback discussion here and get maybe back on track. Who cares? <laughs> it's a uh, fourth rounder. The, the first quarterback to come off the board after Jalen Hurts at pick 53. We win a while. We got all the way to the fourth round. Pick 122. Indianapolis Colts take Jacob Eason and, out of Washington. And look, I mean, this is kind of where I felt comfortable, not only with the draft slot, but also with the situation that I felt would would be necessary for a guy like Eason, who is super raw, has all the physical tools, but then he gets to go with Frank Reich. What can we expect anything from from Eason in terms of his development there? And obviously, we're probably looking more like year two, year three, but like this is ideal for him, right? Yeah, I think this is a perfect situation, and this this was a a quarterback landing spot that many of us, I think, we talked about on the show. We we're like, yeah, Indy, maybe in the second round. You got that pick at 37, the pick at 44, like Jake Eason at 44 might make a lot of sense for them. So to get them where they did, hmm. it was a great value for the Colts, who I think had a quietly, or maybe not so quietly, very good draft. No, I, I think this is a perfect landing spot because he gets a chance to sort of learn under Phillip Rivers in a sense. And they both have that sort of aggressive downfield mentality. So Rivers can kind of work with that. He can learn from watching him. And he goes to a coach in Frank Reich that, you know, has a bit of a track record of quarterback development. He was part of the Wentz team after all. And so I think this is a good landing spot. I think it's a landing spot that a lot of people identified before the draft made a lot of sense. So I love this pick at that spot in the draft. I think it was perfect for them. I think it's a very good environment for 
Jacob Eason to start his pro career. So let's go to the next quarterback because he was selected only three picks later, round four, 125 overall. Hopefully the the backup to Sam Darnold now, if, unless he gets that kissing disease again. James Morgan out of Florida International, a guy that was very inconsistent on tape, but super fun to watch, like had high points, had very low points. And it, actually, the it was the Jets that came out and said after the combine, like they were sitting there, Adam Gase is sitting there with his offensive coordinator, Duel Loggins, and Adam Gase, while they were interviewing Morgan, looks over to Loggins is like, hey, he could take your job. So apparently a really smart dude. And that's kind of what you want in your backup, right? Yeah, it is what you want in your backup. This was the pick that kind of surprised me in a sense, because when we talked about Morgan, think about, we were like, look, you know, in the course of his game against, I think it was Old Dominion, where he had a great play, a bad play, a great play, a bad play, a great play, a bad play. He's like so high variance as a quarterback, certainly has arm talent, certainly has the willingness to play from the pocket and fight in the pocket. And he does some things you want to see. And the mental side of it, I think, like you said, you want that ability to understand the game without live practice reps because of the limited practice time, because of the fact that, look, we might not get a full training camp, full preseason slate of games, things like that. The fact that he knows the game the way he does, and or at least the Jets believe he does, is a huge check mark in his favor. I wasn't the biggest James Morgan fan, but clearly the Jets saw something, and we know Adam Gase, noted quarterback whisperer and guru, certainly saw something in him as well. And you look at the, the depth chart, for the Jets, I mean, David Fails was cut. I guess he was brought back. Who's? I mean, Fails can't do anything. Like, if, if Morgan is inconsistent, at least he can do some things. Fails can't do anything. And there's also Mike White, who was, I guess, uh, cut from the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know how long ago that happened, but he's not anybody. So The best thing David Fails has done in the past, like, two years on a football field was last year when Sam Darnold said something to Adam Gase. Do you remember that moment? And oh, Fails yeah. was next to him and he threw the winter hat on. He's just like horrified. <laughs> like Donald had just like literally shot him in the face. He's just like <laughs> horrified. That, I still have that screen, screen cap on my phone. That's like I was amazing. scrolling through my phone the other day. I'm like, oh yeah, I got to use this again. So I'm just waiting to drop that. Maybe in response to the Betts tweet. As a matter of fact, I think I'll just do that now. Speaking of the Betts tweet, we, we got to talk about Buffalo because in round five, 167 overall, Buffalo takes Jake Fromm, the quarterback out of Georgia, who is, I mean, couldn't be more opposite than Josh Allen in terms of play style, decision making, and, and, and I mean, arm strength, like even the good things about Allen, too. Like, they're totally different quarterbacks. And you mentioned the Betts, Betts tweet. I, I retweeted it on my timeline, but at all 22, he did one of those deals where it's like build your perfect quarterback and it's for Josh Allen. And you have $15 to spend. And like some of the highlights are like, Three dollars doesn't throw in a triple coverage on first and ten. Uh, Five dollars, the big mean media doesn't libel him for clicks. Like, and and it's just it's beautiful the way it's laid out. You have to see it for yourself. But number uh, one dollar was jumps off an RV onto a folding table before a preseason game, and Jake Fromm starts sixteen games. So we'll bring it back to Fromm. Polar opposites, Mark. I don't understand how this fits with what they're trying to do, but I, but I guess I do with Fromm because I don't understand how the Buffalo offense fits with Josh Allen. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. And, <laughs> you know, in, in that sort of metrics that matter series that I'm doing over at USA Today, I did Josh Allen's deep ball percentage. Because, again, we all thought Josh Allen was going to come into the league and just be like Daryl LeBonica, the bad bomber, and just throw it deep on every single play and be great at it because that's what he was good at at Wyoming. His downfield throws are awful. Like, worst in the league, adjusted completion percentage. 
you know, 33rd in the league last year, above only, I think, Kyle Allen. Like, that's how bad it was. But when you watch him on film, it's like Brian Dable turned him into a timing and rhythm-based passer. It's almost like he's at his best working between 10 and 19 yards. And he has a very good completion percentage, adjusted completion percentage, all that stuff in the intermediate area of the field. It's just the deep stuff that's not being hit. So if you're Brian Dable, if you're Sean McDermott, and you're looking at where your offense is going, yeah, you acquired Stephon Diggs to help you downfield, right? But if that doesn't click, most of the throws are made in that area of the field where you're going to be attacking underneath. That's what Jake Fromm can do. You know, mm. the the one thing I sort of question, and not to turn this into an episode of does quarterback hand size matter? <laughs> like the one time we do see it show up is on turnovers in the pocket and in weather games, right? You watch Jake Fromm in that game against Kentucky that was like in a monsoon. He couldn't throw the ball. Like he was yeah. shot putting it. I know it's a cliche, but those Buffalo winters and December at New Era Field, like how are his eight and three quarter inch hands going to hold up in that kind of environment? I Quarterback hand size doesn't matter until it matters. And this is one instance where it might actually matter. This is yeah. a bit of a head scratcher, but at the same time, it does allow us to sort of start the engines on the when does Jake Fromm take over conversation, mm, which yeah. again- I mean, he, look, there is high expectations in Buffalo yep, right now. Absolutely. That division is wide open for absolutely. them. Their defense is very good. If they don't get it done, it's most likely, even if you're a Bills fan and you like Josh Allen, you can understand it's most likely about Josh Allen. Right. When do and you pull that plug? <laughs> similarly to the exercise we just- underwent with Mitchell Trubisky. Right. Okay. Like you said, this division is wide open. They have the NFC West on their schedule this year, in addition to playing a playoff-type schedule, given the fact that they made the playoffs last year. So they start home against the Jets at Miami, home against the Rams, at the Raiders, at the Titans, home against Kansas City. Mm. That's Ooh. a tough, tough stretch of games to open up. Like This might be the year that the Bills win the division, but you could see them over that six-game stretch Going three and three. Right. Like yeah. That's not the cupcake schedule that they had no. early in the season, like the whole season last year, too. No, and especially, look, you might you might scoff at that game, Miami. Okay. Miami, at the end of September, playing a football game, like you don't want to be doing that. They might lose that. They might start one and one. Then you get the Rams at home. Okay. Then you go to Vegas to play the Raiders. That could yep. be a loss. To Tennessee to play the Titans, that could be a loss. Home against Kansas City, that could be a loss. I'm looking at – I was actually looking up the Bears schedule to see where it went wrong for them in 2019 because they started out 3-1, and one, but then they went on a four-game skid. And I think that's where I think everyone was kind of like, okay, maybe Mitch isn't the guy. Right, and that was the first six games of what Buffalo has. Then they go to the Jets, Patriots at home, Seattle at home, mm. at Arizona. Mm. And Arizona's going to be better this year. Arizona's going to be better. That's a tough road trip. Like, that's a tough schedule. The AFC East teams, they have four of the five toughest schedules, at least by, you know, winning percentage from the season before on the slate because they get NFC West teams. Most of them get the Chiefs this year as well because they get the AFC West. Like, it's a lot of travel, a lot of tough games on the slate. Yeah, this is the year that everybody expects Buffalo to make that leap. They've got a great defense. They've added to it a bit. Yeah, they acquired Stephon Diggs, but the thing that is the huge question mark is Josh Allen. And I'm a big Brian Dable fan too, yeah. the offensive coordinator. I like him. I, th- I think he's done uh, a really, really well there. But again, I mean, can the guy make the throw? Can he make the reads? Can he yeah. hit the deep ball? 
I mean, there's serious questions. And we're not sitting here saying that he has to hit them 75% of the time. Right, right. No. Just be We'd average. like to get him to be like 30. Right. You know? Yep. That, like middle of the pack. That's all you would need. Because think about how it sort of filters down, right? If you're a defensive court, if you're Bill Belichick and you're looking at playing this Buffalo Bills defense right now, you've got Cole Beasley, John Brown, and Stephon Diggs. Like, you might be thinking, we got to play cover two, right? We're going to keep two deep safeties. We're going to take away the deep stuff here. But do you? And then that, but do you? That's exactly <laughs> right. Because if he can't hit them, then you feel like, okay, forget it. We'll take our second safety, Patrick Chun, whatever, drop him down in the box. Now you can't gash us with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, and we're not worried about you hitting us deep. Maybe you'll hmm. do it once over the course of a game, but that's not enough to beat us. But if you start doing it three or four times over the course of the game, again, not 75%, but just enough, then you got to think about dropping that safety deep. Then it frees up everything you want to do underneath, all the stuff you want to do with the run game. You want to run against light boxes. And if you're an offense that can't threaten you deep, you're not going to see light boxes. It's like the, that, that, the response that people always give when you put up like a – I'll put up like a low light of Josh Allen throwing the right. deep ball. And, and people will be like, well, you can put up a low light of any quarterback making bad throws to make him look bad. No, seriously, right. you can make the longest one of Josh Allen. And like you said, he doesn't need to be great at it, but like be slightly below average, and that's a big improvement. He was like literally the worst deep ball percentage thrower yeah, in the league not, last we're year. We're not making this up, kids. Right. We're not making yeah. this up. Numbers don't lie sometimes, and this is an example. I'm doing the LeBron. I'm just pointing at my computer screen. Right <laughs> last last one I want to close on, we'll, we'll move on from Jake Lutton in the sixth round, and we're going to skip right to Cole McDonald in the there seventh round. My boy got drafted 224 overall. QB only, QB1 in our hearts and our minds, along with Mark Schofield. Cole McDonald to the Tennessee Titans. He is going to steal Ryan Tannehill's Yeah, he's going to Tannehill, Tannehill. <laughs> no, call it now. Ten touchdowns. 12 interceptions in the preseason. Nobody is going to have any idea what to do with this guy, but boy, are they going to have fun watching him. I am going to bet so much money in the preseason on Cole McDonald. <laughs> Just throwing picks left and right. I, yeah. I cannot wait. Like, look, we're all craving football to come back. We're all craving sports to come back. But I'm particularly craving that first preseason game <laughs> when he's just out there for the entire second half just letting it rip. Yep. It's like, you know, no idea what one. the playbook is, just, just going for it. Just <laughs> making side adjustments, like whatever. I'm just going to throw it. Like, who cares? I cannot wait to see that. It's going to be amazing. So that that's what you have to look forward to in the preseason. It's not Jake Fromm, who's just going to be like boring and probably efficient in the preseason and whatnot. It's Colt McDonald, baby. You got to live a little. All right. Mark, that's going to do it for the QB Factory episode three. Uh, anything else for the gentle listeners before... Uh, before I literally clock out for the next almost a week. Um, I just continually send tweets at Michael Kist NFL, oh, like God. for the entire like seven days of Mike's on vacation. Actually, no, his new account at Michael Kist Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund, big fan, lifelong fan. Lifelong here. man. Actually, I have, I've, I've been a fan since about, I'm going to say about 2009. Like once Klopp really started getting it going there, Klopp is amazing. Anyway. That's going to do it for the QB factory. And then uh, the, obviously the, the next show will be the offshoot, uh, the Bundesliga factory. That's coming up at Michael Kist NFL at Mark Schofield. Follow us on Twitter. We appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time. Canva presents Unexplained Appearances. 
It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Designed for work. 